And if it is your first time to Vision City Church, welcome uh, to our church. We are so excited to be starting the month of February with you already. Uh, this year is off to a great start. And uh, as mentioned last month, we are going to be back in the book of Acts. Uh, today we start a three-part series through Acts chapter 19. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 19. But as you're turning there, uh, because of uh, some things that are going to be happening later on in the service, we're going to be giving you a few announcements for you to, uh, to be thinking and praying about. Now, we in Irvine are in a city where four of the world's major religions all converge within our borders. In Irvine. Everything from Christianity to Hinduism to Buddhism to Islam, all right here in this city. We know that the Lord has called us to preach the gospel and to tell people about a God that loves them who sent His only Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for the sins of the world. And though Vision City Church only being one year old might be new to the party, so to speak, uh, we know that God has called us to make inroads into the enemy's territory. And we're not talking about other churches in the area, okay? We're talking about uh, the, the world religions, uh, which we know from the scriptures are, are demonic, that are, are worshiping false gods and doing things that you shouldn't be doing that eventually lead to eternal separation from God. And so this is a major, major deal, uh, what we feel that God has called us to do here as, as a new church, planting a brand new church uh, in this city. And the work is great. I, I feel uh, that uh, Nehemiah, even though it's a total different time, but is a very relatable guy uh, as far as the things that he thought, how he looked at the rebuilding of his wall and uh, the, the walls of Jerusalem as, as a great work. And I don't know if you realize this or know this, but a wall usually signified the strength or the power of the God that that, that city worshipped. And to see a city that was uh, destroyed and, and to see a city that was broken down, that was meant to be the hub for people to worship the true God because they ended up, as you know, worshiping false gods, the people of Israel, and were carried away captive and the city was destroyed. He said, this work is great and it's extensive. And we are separated so far from one another. Our few, you know, group, our, our few people that we have to work, we're, we're, we're so spaced out, so spread out, so thin. And we're trying to build and to start this new work. And it's very relatable here as, as a new church where the work is extensive. And maybe, you know, for, for probably all of us, we've been accustomed to coming to church. And it's just great that there's, man, there's a TV here and there's words on it. And I can read, you know, the, the lyrics to the songs. And, you know, they, man, it's magical. They just switch by themselves. I don't know how that happens. You know, there's, there's people actually back there that are, are pressing the buttons and putting those things in. And, and for those that watch the archives, there's actually people that run a whole video department back there. Like they don't just magically appear on YouTube like poof. Man, Google's really doing something great. They just somehow, you know, they uh, secret cameras or whatever. No, it's like there's a lot of work. And then how about our children? Uh, where on any given Sunday we can have up to or over 100 children that are not in here that are, that are in our children's classrooms. And 
so I was thinking about this. I was like, Lord, we, we have so much that you've called us to do. And, and Lord, I know that you've called us to do this. And, and Lord, we need people uh, to, 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 to help. And, and, and then you start thinking of like, all right, what are the incentives and what can we do? You know, we we're joking about it earlier. All right, the first five people get, you know, Disneyland tickets and sign up to serve, you know, or whatever. And, and try to, you know, incentivize it a little bit. But, you know, in the Bible, Jesus said, he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And, and, and that's the reality of it. But the good thing that he says is, is that he didn't say, hey, come up with these programs and come up with all these ways that you can kind of lure people into serving and volunteering. He said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers out into his field. And so that's what we've been doing. We've been praying that the Lord would touch his people's hearts and that when their hearts are touched to serve and to volunteer, that they'll come and be involved. And so many hands make light work. And we can throw people in, and be involved in, in different areas of the church because all of these things that we enjoy on Sunday mornings take a lot of work and effort to set up and to tear down. And so we're praying for the Lord to raise up people to volunteer. And so if you feel called to do that, and I truly believe that as Christians we should be involved in some capacity in, in serving and giving because otherwise we become just like the rest of the world which is more or less a consumer society where it's like we consume consume and what do you know do can I receive and, and what can you give uh, we know that it's better to give than to receive and as you're here and as you're getting equipped uh, and, and you're learning and you're worshiping and you're fellowshipping and you're a part of this new thing the Lord is calling us to, to be involved. And so we want you to know that we're praying. And would you please join with us as we pray that the Lord would raise up uh, laborers to, to help. Because you look at the city as they're trying to make, you know, Irvine 60 plus miles wide. And we have just right down the street a 600 acre new development that's coming in. I mean, we have a lot, a lot of people that need to know about Jesus. And I want to see them know Jesus personally. I know that you want to see them come to know Jesus personally. I mean, we don't want to just hoard it ourselves and be like, yeah, man, I'm rejoicing that I'm saved. I want to be able, and hopefully we all will be able, to reach out to our community and tell them about Jesus. I mean, we can remember what it was like before we came to know Jesus personally and how empty and how lonely and how frustrated we were. And, and, and then we came to know the Lord and it changed our lives. And so that's what we want to do. And that's what we want to be a part of. And so, please, during the, during the week, like during the day, would you just pray, Lord, uh, raise up laborers to help uh, with Vision City Church. Raise up people that want to volunteer and serve. Who knows? You might even be praying for yourself. Lord, I just pray that you would raise up laborers. And the Lord's going to be like, uh, man, you really like praying for yourself, don't you? Uh, so just pray. And we know that the Lord's going to raise the right people up. So, Please join with us as we pray for that. Also, we have our amazing house groups starting up soon. We're so excited about this. House groups are going to be our new uh, midweek Bible study. We're going to be taking a couple different concepts and philosophies of ministry and creating a hybrid out of them. Whereas we grow as a church, we're going to be able to maintain our relational aspects of our church as we grow. Uh, it's kind of intimidating walking into a new church when you don't know anybody. And it's very easy to slip in 
in and slip out under the radar. You don't really get to connect with anybody. And you can go to a lot of churches where, you know, they, they have the discussions even to this day. How can we reverse engineer our church so that it seems more relational? And so we're going we're gonna to be implementing this new feature in our house groups, which I'm really, really excited about because what's going to happen is we're going to be harnessing uh, video conferencing technology that uh, Google has put out. It's called Chromebox uh, for Meetings. And basically, we use these things in our corporate world where, you know, if I need to have my Hong Kong office talk to my L.A. office, then we get in a conference room and there's the HDTV and the conference mic and all, uh, you know, the the video camera and everything that I need. We're going to be using what the business world uses for our house groups because some of the things that happen in house groups are historically. um, It's hard to have consistent teaching when you have maybe 15 different people teaching different things at house groups. It's hard to have that continuity. And and this brings unity where we're going to have one teacher where I'm going to start off teaching it. And we're going to uh, be teaching uh, through the Bible. And the, it's going to be set up where a half-hour teaching. We're developing a curriculum where it means just discussion questions and study questions. So half-hour teaching, half-hour study, and then half-hour uh, uh, like kind of prayer and fellowship. And then each group will be able to, to, to uh, uh, do what they feel God's called them to do in addition to that. Uh, so our house groups, uh, we're calling them, I know it's cutting edge to call them house groups. They do uh, meet in houses and they are a group. And so we're calling them house groups. But we're looking at this as one house under many roofs. And so we're one house, which is our church, meeting under a bunch of different roofs. And so when you see this one house under many roofs, it's going to be the church, our church, meeting together under a bunch of different roofs during the week. And so what's really cool is this Chromebox for Google is like a, like a Google Hangouts on steroids, so to speak, where uh, you can have up to 15 different locations tuning in where you can see them and talk to them as clear as day. So we can be like, hey, what's up in the Cerritos group? And then Cerritos is down there, hey, what's up? You know, like Irvine. West Side or whatever, like that kind of thing, and Costa Mesa or, or, or you know, Mission Viejo or whatever, and so all the small groups based upon where you live uh, will be meeting together, and then we'll have consistent Bible teaching as we grow as a church, we'll maintain our relational aspects of our church, and uh, we'll be able to grow in our relationship with the Lord, so we're really, really excited about this. As far as I know, I don't know anybody that's doing this, so we're going to be kind of spearheading uh, this new way of doing house groups, but maintaining our continuity as a church. And we're really, really excited to see how this unfolds. So please, sign up in the back to get involved with this. You're not going to want to miss this. This is what we're going to be doing as our midweek service at our church. And you can sign up. And we have a couple things that we're asking you to put down, which is just your name, okay, where you live, and some contact information because it's going to be based upon where we live, uh, where we're going to be gathering together. So, you know, if you live in San Juan Capistrano, maybe the nearest group is Mission Viejo, not um, Fountain Valley, and so on and so forth. So after service at the info booth, sign up, put your contact information down so that we can keep you apprised of what's going to be happening with our midweek service called House Groups uh, beginning soon. So uh, sign up for that. That's going to be uh, a great opportunity for us to grow in our relationship with the Lord. VisionCityChurch.com is the one stop for all the information pertaining to this church. 
uh, update on the app, which uh, has taken a very long time. And uh, we are finally in the final processes. We just submitted all of our work, all of our nonprofit organization paperwork, and it's going to iTunes for, and Google Play for final approval, hopefully this week. And uh, we'll have our very own customized Vision City Church app for the Android and iPhone platforms, as well as tablets, which will be able to you know, view all the messages. You'll be able to read along in the scriptures. You'll be able to do a whole bunch of really uh, great things. We spend a lot of time on our phones. What a great place to put good information. So that's coming up. And then if you have any questions, if you want any uh, information, be sure to see Jennifer at the info booth after service today. And she'll be able to, to help you out. Also, uh, last but not least, and I don't want to take too much time. I know I'm, we're going long. But uh, junior high and high school ministries, we're really, really excited to be getting these things up and running now. And so if you are a junior high or a high school student, um, or you're a parent that has junior high or high school students, we're asking that you would sign up for our junior high and high school ministries because we're going to be starting our planning meetings uh, for those ministries uh, within, well, very, very soon. So what we're going to be doing is getting your contact info, and then we're going to be sending you information for, about, uh, for our first planning meeting for junior high and high school ministry. Pretty cool. We're excited about that um, as we grow. And then last but not least, Monday Nights Live. We're going to be having our first uh, prayer uh, meeting for Monday Nights Live uh, coming up on February 9th. And so we're going to be taking signups if you're interested in being involved with serving on Monday nights, as Monday nights is going to be our evangelistic outreach kind of collective youth service uh, that is going to be happening through our church. I had the great opportunity to do that for nearly 10 years at Calvary Costa Mesa, uh, which they no longer do. And so we're going to be... Uh, relaunching Monday Nights Live through Vision City Church. So sign up for that as well. Uh, that's going to be a great, great opportunity, I think. And I feel like that's what the Lord's called us to do. And uh, so we're going to step out in faith and do it. So if you'd like to serve on a Monday night and be involved with praying and preparing for that, sign up as well. So that's it for the announcements. I promise. That's it. I can't lie. I'm a pastor. We're in Acts chapter 19. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 7. Today we start the first of a three-part series uh, in Acts chapter 19. We are going to be entitling this message, which I'll give you in just a second. Uh, <laughs> a very, it has a very long title, and so we'll wait just a second before uh, getting into that. But let me ask you this question right off the bat. Have you ever wondered about the Holy Spirit? Like, how does the Holy Spirit work? Have you heard such things as convicted by the Spirit or filled with the Spirit or empowered by the Spirit and maybe have wondered, like, what exactly does that mean? It's like Christianese. Is that, like, made-up stuff? Is that church stuff? Is that biblical? Well, today we're going to find out exactly what that means as we start this series through Acts chapter 19. Part 1 I've entitled, Once Upon a Baptism. Okay, once upon a baptism. And the key word in our title is going to be upon. And you'll know exactly why that is as we study. And let's pray as we get into God's word. Father, we ask, Lord, that as we look to your word, and particularly here this morning in Acts chapter 19, as we look at the baptism of the Holy Spirit and what exactly that means for us, Lord, give us understanding. And Lord, I also pray in addition to that understanding that you would give us that very thing, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that you would empower us to be those men and women that you have created us to be. 
And so, Lord, we commit this time to you now in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. Verse 1 of Acts chapter 19. Let's go ahead. If you brought your Bible or an app that you can read along, let's read along as we study God's Word. It says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Hold up, just right there. So he he makes his way back to Ephesus again, as we read, and he finds these disciples, these followers of God, and he asks them this very important question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, our text doesn't point out or tell us why or, or what prompted Paul, but I wonder what prompted Paul to ask this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? Let's say, for instance, you are a follower of God, but someone asks you, uh, do you have the Holy Spirit? Now, would you immediately have no clue what they were asking? Like, uh, yeah, I think I'm a Christian, but I don't know about the Holy Spirit. Would you be offended that you maybe appeared to not have the Holy Spirit? Like, why? What's wrong, man? Do you think I'm like in the flesh or something? You think I'm sinning? Whatever. I mean, would you be upset or defensive about that? Or would you be convicted if somebody asked you, hey, uh, are, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Have you received the Holy Spirit? I mean, were these disciples that we're reading about here in Acts chapter 19 lacking some sort of spiritual vibrancy? Were they missing a zeal for God? Were they missing a love for the Word of God? Or were they missing love, generally? Were they missing joy? Or were they without peace? Were they dull? Or were they worn out? I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but some believers possess a greater vibrancy or even excitement and enthusiasm for the things of the Lord than others do. Why is that? Would Paul be so inclined to ask us that same question if he met us? Are you guys filled with the Holy Spirit? I mean, are are you guys like empowered by the Lord? I mean, what a question. I mean, could you imagine that? If Paul the Apostle was like, hey, I mean, I mean, I know you go to church, but are you empowered by the Spirit? Are you victorious over sin? I mean, are you excited about the things of God? Does the Word of God enthrall you? Do, you? do you study it? Do you want to know God more? Or is Christianity or your belief so boring and so dull and lackluster? And it, I mean, I'm not into it. It's just kind of one of these things I do because I feel guilty if I don't go to church. I mean, what, what a question. I found myself thinking about that very question. I'm not just presenting that question to you. I'm thinking about that myself. Would somebody know if I was filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? Verse 3. So they said, into John's baptism. John's baptism, you remember, John the Baptist, he attracted a lot of attention. A lot of attention. You remember him, lived in the desert, wore camel hair clothes, ate locusts and wild honey. You remember John, John the Baptist, he was the one that, that had crazy eyes and wild, poofy hair. Now, we don't actually get that from the Bible, but from every Jesus movie that was ever made. 
You remember him. He, he, he preached this baptism of repentance. This is what they believed in. In Matthew 3.11, John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, meaning turning from your sin and following after God. Bear fruit worthy of repentance because you can't bear fruit worthy of repentance unless you've repented. Isn't it funny how that works out? I'm calling you to repent from your sin, to turn from your evil ways and follow God. Bear fruits, he would say, worthy of repentance because you can't bear fruits. Worthy of repentance if you never have repented. So John the Baptist's message was turn from your sin. Turn from your sin. He was uh, the message of, of, of calling people to purify themselves for the coming of the Messiah whom we knew as and know as Jesus Christ, to get ready to meet the King of kings and the Lord of lords. John's baptism was calling people to no longer live after sin. Turn. Turn. Interestingly enough, baptism was meant for people outside of Judaism to renounce their old life life and come into Judaism. So it was quite a stir when John the Baptist was baptizing Jews to repent from their sin. Because it doesn't matter if you're white or black, yellow, brown, orange. There is orange. Too much fake tan. Uh, It doesn't matter what skin color you are. Where you need to turn from your sin in order to follow Jesus. That is imperative. You want to bear fruits that are good fruit, good things coming out of your life? Then you have to turn from your sin. You have to be planted in Jesus. You need to repent. So, no doubt that this first prophet... John the Baptist, after 200 plus years of silence, made no small stir in the land. He was preaching the same message that the prophets before him came, saying, repent, turn from your sin. Why should you die in your sin? Turn from your sin. Maybe these disciples to whom Paul asked if they had received the Holy Spirit, maybe they came into Judea from Ephesus. Remember, Paul went to Ephesus, found these disciples of John the Baptist. Maybe they traveled for a feast or something in Jerusalem. They heard of John the Baptist, but they left before Jesus. They left before hearing of the Messiah. See, they were missing the second part of what I read in Matthew 3.11. John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. And that's where we stopped previously. But he says, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He Speaking of the Messiah, speaking of Jesus, the Son of God, He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So there's a difference here. Paul Paul is is saying, hey, where did, now now, let me see the school of thought here. And and, and who did you, okay, so you've heard John the Baptist teaching, turn from your sin, but you didn't hear the second part of that. You've only heard partial information. And then Paul says in verse 4, Acts 19, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about twelve in all. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, which we know as the three person of the Godhead. 
which is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a very, very unique role in the relationship of the believer. In the Greek language, which the New Testament was written in, there are three prepositions prepositions that are used in conjunction with the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. This is very, very important for us to understand. Those three words are para, en, and epi. Para, en, and epi. Meaning with, in, and upon. With, in, and upon. Let's look at the first one. If you're taking notes, para, which means with. This is the Holy Spirit prior to your conversion or your faith in Jesus. The Holy Spirit works when He is showing you your sin and that it is wrong and that you need forgiveness from God for that sin. This is the work of the Holy Spirit to convict the world of sin, of judgment, and of righteousness. And so the Holy Spirit works in the lives of the people that live in this world. He is convicting them, showing them that they need a Savior, showing you, showing me. This is that word para in relation to the work of the Holy Spirit with us, convicting us. Showing us our sin. Jesus said in John 14, verses 16 through 17, He says, I will pray the Father and He will give you another helper, that He may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. So the Holy Spirit works with us. You can think of it on your side here. He's working with you. Secondly, this word in the Greek, en, which means in. As you put your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. Your body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. So when you put your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells inside you. So it's no longer just working with you, on side of you. Now the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. Filling us with His presence. This is the time when we go from being spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. Dead in sins. To regenerated or made alive spiritually. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. After Jesus' resurrection, He appeared to His disciples as they were hiding out and said, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And then He goes on and says... It says, and when he had said this, John records, Jesus breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 6.19, Paul writes and says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own? That the Holy Spirit works with, remember, for all of our, our Greek scholars, para, para, means with. And then en, en, means in, in, in the Greek. I have the Holy Spirit dwells in me. And then thirdly, our Greek word is epi, E-P-I, which means upon. And this is, my friends, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where the Spirit is overflowing out of your life and empowering you to be a strong witness for Jesus. So this is if, man, if I could pour water up here, I would. But if you, if you had a glass and a pitcher of water and you started pouring that pitcher into the glass, 
Okay, we'd say, okay, first we have an empty glass and we have a pitcher of water. The Holy Spirit, let's just say the pitcher of water is the Holy Spirit. Picture that in your mind's eye. With, it's showing you, man, you're thirsty. You need a drink. There's something out there, isn't there? Your sins are wrong. You need forgiveness. And so that's with, para. And now you believe in Jesus. You put your faith in him and you're regenerated. You're made alive spiritually and he is pouring into you. Now, now the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. And then the third one, epi, is as if we poured that water and kept pouring it and pouring it until it was not only full but started overflowing everywhere. This is the upon work of the Holy Spirit. This is what it says in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The very thing that we desire for our church, to not only be convicted by the Holy Spirit and see people come to know Jesus, but that we be filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus breathed on the disciples. They received the Holy Spirit, but then he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This is what we want as Christians. We just finished up our four-week series on Armor Up, the armor of God. We need to have the empowerment of the the Holy Spirit in our lives. Do you feel drained? Do you feel worn out? Do you feel not very excited about the things of the Spirit and the things of the Lord? You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your life. It is greater than you. It is greater. This is something separate and distinct from being filled with the Holy Spirit. John Corson said this, and I quote, The Spirit of God is available not only to work with, para, work with you to become a Christian or to come into and your life once you open your heart to Him, but He is now available to come upon, epi, your life and empower you to see your own world turned upside down and made right side up. End of quote. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Our thing that we do here, this is not meant to be boring religion, dead religion, man's attempt to reach God. This is a relationship that we have with God Almighty who not only convicted us of our sins so that we put our faith in Jesus who dwells now, the Holy Spirit dwells in us, but he says, I want to come upon you and empower you and strengthen you for Christian service to be a witness, to be victorious over sin, to not be ho-hum, ho-hum, one foot in, one foot out, menial at best. No, we're talking about an overflowing of the Holy Spirit in your life. This is what we need. This is what we should desire. Maybe some of you are like those disciples. Man, I never even heard of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, you have now. For those of you that have heard about it, maybe you're like, man, I really need that. You know, uh, I want that in my life. Well, I'm glad that you do because today we have set aside a special time where we're going to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be upon our lives and ultimately to be upon our church because our church is the collective of our lives. Maybe you're here and, and, and you're like, well, well, is it like weird or like not spiritual to say that I, I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Because, I mean, I'm looking around and I think everybody's baptized with the Holy Spirit, but me. No, listen. 
I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit continually. I need the empowerment of the Lord to be on fire for Him. I want that. I desire that. I ask for that. And the Lord, who is our perfect Heavenly Father, gives to His kids the Holy Spirit when they ask for it. And so today, before we have communion, because it is the first Sunday of the month, we're going to have a time where people are going to be praying for you to be empowered with the Holy Spirit. Now, maybe you're here this morning, and, and you're at that point where it's just, the Holy Spirit's just para. It's with you. It's, on, it's convicting you of your sins, showing you that you need a Savior, but it's not in you and it's not upon you. Then you need to give your life to Jesus. You need to put your faith in Him today. Maybe you have a husband or a wife that's saved and you're not. And, and, and they've been praying for you and inviting you. Or maybe you have a relative, a family member, a, family member, a, a co-worker, friend, somebody. But if you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, you need that. That's where you are made alive spiritually. And it comes through faith in Jesus.